For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Well met, fellow adventurers. So this now, I'm going to somewhat advance the quest for the Sword of Mersbach. I've already made a bit of progress along this quest. I got, I got the Worsted Sword, that it turns out is the Sword of Mersbach, or at least part of it. Oh could become the Sword of Mesbach. It is a bit complicated with the sword like this. And I got that in... Yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. Town, Southwest Tysa, Colinia. I got that into Colinia, and then I made my way. And then I found a cloudy blue gem while doing my first work for the Silver Quest. And uh, with that, I upgraded. I upgraded the the sword. I also found. I also found two tablets so far. One in Lord Tarkold's crypt, where I had a few other adventures too. And one in the long. And one in the ruins. And one was we're covering that that book for the library. Now, there's a few other things to find. Well, actually, quite a lot of parts to this quest. It's got a load of little bits to it. There's a couple I a couple I can do right now. And one of them is to visit the bog of Megalosmire. The infernal bog known as Megalosmire stretches for nearly a mile, both north and east from the patch of firmer terrain on which you now stand. Stickly-looking tufts of yellow and brown grass rise up at the edges of the pool of muck to infest this mire, and every so often the back of the rock or small wires of firmer ground just above the quivering, sometimes bubbling surface of the bog. Perhaps half a mile from here sits a sizable island of rock and earth, covered with small patches of stunted trees. So firstly, I can explore the perimeter of the bog. You stretch, you trek the entire perimeter of the bog, carefully making certain you never stray into its treacherous grip. The far eastern edge of the quagmire, you come upon a broad moss-covered tablet at the edge of a bubbling, hissing pool. With a small bit of effort, you're able to clear away enough of the moss to read the inscription thereon. A clever eye to spot the latch, a summoned flame to swell, an unseen hand to pry the gate, the dead to wing the bell. After pausing for a moment to reflect upon the strange verse, you continue around the edge of the bog until at last you arrive back where you've began. So that's some sort of clue to something I will see later. Now, now usually if an island is difficult to get to, that means there's something really nice on it. Unless, of course, that island is the is Pitcairn Island, in which case the only thing on it is a lot of sexual offenders. <laughs> so that, that's an exception to that. But in fiction, if an island is difficult to get to, it's because there's really nice things on it. Especially considering in, in Swift you don't have to fill up an entire world map with lots of tiny islands that don't particularly do anything. Just so you have a world map. Oh. 
attempt to cross the bog to the island. Realise that navigating your way safely through the treacherous bog won't be easy. One step, misstep could certainly land you in the unforgiving clutches of the mire, which is not like, from which it is not likely you could ever escape. Still attempt to make your way to the island. You move tentatively across the perilous mire, cautiously testing each patch of ground with your foot before allowing your full weight to descend upon it. Pick a number. Bonus of 477. 19 from luck, 20 from agility, 38 from woodmanship. 91. To a short while, having made some headway, you stop to rest and survey your process. Using the edge of the mire and the Wok Island as a guide, you estimate you've gone 20 yards from the edge of the bog and have 180 yards remaining before you reach the Wok Island. Continue. Oh dear, I went backwards. At last, you step back onto solid ground at the edge of the bog and breathe a sigh fully. Thankful to find your excursion into perilous mire. Across the bog. Okay. That's 20 yards. Continue. Alright, same, same check again. Alright, 85. That's 40 yards across. Check again. 60 yards, 80 yards, 100 yards. Yeah, this is a lot easier with all the skill of woodmanship I have. It might even be that I cannot fail, continue towards the island, because I dust so good at woodmanship. Uh, Pell, 152, that gets me 20 yards closer. Alright, 160 yards, we're nearly there. 180 yards. You move tentatively across the perilous mile, cautiously testing each patch of ground beneath your foot, before allowing your full weight to descend upon it. Pick it up on your number, bonus 77. At last, you step onto the firm ground of the Wok Island, thankful to have survived your excursion into the treacherous mire. Yeah, pity I couldn't just gate across it, but I guess it's kind of hard to set a gate up to some place where you don't, where you can't really see it. Unless, of course, you do complicated rituals involving expensive and difficult to acquire spell components. That that's assume why that that's assume why they can set up. Well, of course, if you're the Archmage Huron, he's an Archmage, so no problem for him to set up a gate halfway across the kingdom, because he's an Archmage. But for me, it's a bit more difficult. And not so fun. <laughs> you're standing on the western side of a rocky island in the middle of the moor, moorland bog known as Megalsmire. Reaching the island was no simple feat, and you find yourself dreading the prospect of having to again transverse the perilous mire. The sizable island is mostly rock, with a few patches of stunted trees and many large boulders scattered about explore the northern part of the island. They set about exploring the northern parts of Cypher Rocks, and discover, much to your horror, the countless human bodies are scattered amongst the stunted trees and boulders that cover this part of the island. Okay, how did they get there, though? Was this... Yeah, uh, some sort of ritual? Sacrifice? Bog body thing? Wouldn't they be in the bog, rather than the island in the bog? Unless this island used to be in the bog. But then... Things happened, some tectonic stuff perhaps, and now it just rose up from the bog. Maybe magic, let's just say magic. Turn to the western side of the island, southern side now. While exploring the southern side of the Wok Island, you become upon a curious engraving on a broad flat stone. The engraving here reads as followed, Death. 
here to ours. Okay, and finally, the eastern part of the island. The eastern side of the Wacky Island, you make a curious discovery. Set onto the side of a steep cliff, quite close to the edge of the encroaching mire, is a massive iron door. Thick bands of blackened metal cross the door at all angles, obscuring much of its weathered surface. The door appears to have no visible means to affect its opening, even more curious than the iron door. Two objects that flank it, sending to the left of the door, dangling from a rusty iron pole. And driven into the rock is a head-sized bell. To the right of the door, set into a small cloud, alcove in the cliff, is a burning stick. Despite the flame that's consuming it, the stick is not charred in the least. Okay, so I can ring the bell. You strike the bell, and are quite taken aback. Makes no sound. Believe it, perhaps you did not strike it forcefully. You strike it a second time, and once again, no sound. No sound is produced. Hmm. So the dead to wing the bell. Okay. Okay. That apparently that poem is how to get it. A clever eye to spot the latch. Examine the iron door. The massive iron door appears to have felt the effect of standing within a stone's throw of the mire. Its surface is badly rusted, but you sense it is still strong. It represents a formidable barrier. You see no means of attempting to lock the door. Okay, examine the flaming stick. You step forward to examine the flaming stick. But the moment you come within arm's reach of the of the object, the flames suddenly grow in size, tempting, causing you to promptly and wisely back away. Okay, flames, use elementalism. Okay, I'll use the elementalism power on that flame. I w I rose elementalism to level seventy just now, precisely so I could do this thing. Because of course I've played this game a lot before, so I know what I know all the secrets. Use succeeded. Calling upon your mastery of the elements, you turn your focus to the flaming stick on the alcove next to the door. Almost at once, the flames consuming the stick swell out the alcove, and from them emerges a massive fire elemental. A towering being of flame hovers in front of the iron door and a white, glowing glyph suddenly appears on the surface of the webbed portal. The fire elemental retreats into the flames from which it sprung, and you leap back as with a tremendous groan and violent shudder, the massive door begins to swing outward. The massive door swings outward, revealing a wide, dark mouth of a cave, out of which wafts an almost overpowering odour of decay. Enter the cave! Surrounded by the reassuring glow of your reliable light source, you move into the dark cave. Taking only a dozen steps in what appears to be a single broad chamber, when the massive iron door suddenly swings shut behind you. <coughs> Almost in unison with the clang of the closing door, a pale blue glow fills the chamber. A loud hiss echoes off the walls, and the clamour of metal armour weakens your ears, as into, as into view out of the darkened corner, strides a towering plate-clad skeletal figure with a black-bladed axe clung, clung over his shoulder. Leave, hisses the skeleton, turning to face you as it reaches the middle of the chamber. A violet shudder runs through the, through the cave floor, and you look behind you to find the massive iron doors slowly creeping open again. Beyond the menacing undead way, clearly make out what looks like a large stone chest set against the far wall. Ooh, a chest. Well, I've got to open that. Leave or join me in the grave, hisses the skeleton, 
taking a longer step in your direction. The tomb of the Quagga is not to be plundered. Upon hearing the name of the Quagga, you sense a deep sense dread comes over you. It is well known and Igoka was one of the three evil warrior brothers slain by the legendary hero Mazak. Who is it for? Igoka was one of the three evil warrior brothers whose days of pillage and plunder came by the end by the blade of the legendary hero Mazak. Upon their deaths, the wicked followers of the three brothers are said to have hidden their bodies in secret tombs that were guarded by powerful magic. And indeed they were. Alright. Okay, so if I want to... want to get these chests and all the lovely, lovely loot that's no doubt inside, I must attack the undead Ithgrothka. Ithgrothka hisses viciously as he steps forward to meet your bold attack. He brandishes his black-bladed axe with all the skill of a master warrior as he closes in for the kill. Begin combat with Ithgrothka. Ithgrothka swipes at you with his black-bladed axe. I mean, that's no good for you because I'm not undead, so it's not going to fly off and chop off my head. Yes. Keep doing it. Keep bashing, bashing, bashing. Ooh, your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 29 damage. It's nearly very close. It's only 2% left. And slain. 136 experience. Ithaca staggers forward, meets a final ragged heap, and collapses into a pile of bone at your feet. You step back and catch your breath, thankful to have survived such a brutal melee. Suddenly, however, Ithaca's black-bladed axe begins to twitch. You assume a defensive stance and watch as the fearsome weapon wises out the pile of bone and transforms into an iron-scaled serpent. Without warning. The Iron Serpent lunges at you, narrowly missing, sinking its lengthy fangs into your flesh. You plant your feet, prepare to engage the vicious creature. It's an Iron-Scaled Serpent. Oh, so the axe did magically attack me, by turning into a snake, for reasons. Alright, begin combat. The vicious Iron Serpent strikes at you. Savage bite of your enemy tears into your flesh for 10 damage. Keeps striking and is slain. 37 experience. The iron serpent shuggers momentarily, then goes still. You step over the gruesome creature, move up to examine the stone chest. It's the far wall, eager to discover what it is it contains. The chest is not locked. You cautiously lift the heavy stone lid and peer into it. You're dismayed to discover only the only item in the chest is a small wooden box. Retrieve the box and flip open its thin lid, only to discover it takes a skeletal hand, small quantity of gold, and several adventurer tokens. That's 50 gold, and far, 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 far more importantly, 8 adventurer tokens. Suddenly... You catch sight of something resting in the corner at the bottom of the chest. You lean down, discover it's a small, cloudy, blue gemstone. You, wait a minute. This is one of the ones that works in the, works in the blade. This small blue gemstone is alive with colourful swirls. Clouds that, that swirl about beneath its tired exterior. Confident. That you haven't overlooked anything else, you make a quick search of the rest of the chamber before gladly exiting the ancient tomb. The moment you step outside, the massive iron door swings shut behind you with a reverberating thud and a violent shudder that runs through the ground beneath your feet. You turn to gaze upon the door one last time, shocked to discover it's no longer there. The bell, the flaming stick, the iron door have all disappeared, as if they never existed at all. 
puzzled, but somewhat certain that disappearance of these things is related to your defeat of Ithilgar, you quickly make your way back to the western side of the island. 512 experienced general. Okay, I've been everywhere on that island now. So, nothing more to do but leave this bog and never, ever, 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 ever come back. Unless, perhaps, there's some sort of quest where things have been scattered randomly across the kingdom and you have to go everywhere. But that's just about the only situation where I'll go back. And even then... I'll probably only go back if, I'm, if I've heard from other people that there might be something there. Leave the island and head for the edge of the bog. Okay, the 77 bonus check. Continue towards the edge of the bog. Right, 160 yards left. 140 yards left. 20 yards left. Whoa, whoa, I'm halfway there. Whoa, whoa, 80 yards left. 60 yards left. So same check over and over again. 20 yards left. And at last, you step back onto solid ground at the edge of the bog. You breathe a sigh of relief. Thanks to survived your excursion into the treacherous mire. Okay, and that is... That is all I will ever do in Megaspire, pretty much. Now, there's another tiny little place to go. Winter Eye Lake. Winter Eye Lake, just do a bit of healing now, is a small body of water hidden deep within the thick forest, just inside the western edge of Thanevale, standing on its stony shore. You gaze out across the dark water of the lake to a fur-topped island near its middle, at least two miles away. You're familiar with the legend of Winterwire Lake, and know the island is supposedly home to a fearsome serpent. A small village sits at the eastern edge of the lake, and is home to fishermen and woodcutters who make their living in this rugged and beautiful country. Hmm. Big, big old snake... What's wrong with the water? An eerie feeling comes over you to stare out across the dark water. You almost get the sense that someone or something is watching you. But nothing in your immediate vicinity seems to lead that notion any credulence. The serpent, perhaps? Inquire about passage to the island. I've got a great big snake to slay. The fisherman offers to lend you a small rope out the cost of 50 gold. There's no way of telling if you'll be back, he says, eyeing you carefully. If you don't come back, I'll need to buy another boat. Fifty gold is reasonable, if I say. Okay, here you go, fifty gold. You pay the fisherman, and he shows you to his small craft at the edge of the icy lake. It's a long way to the island, he warns you, as you climb aboard the old but sturdy boat. Mind yourself in that water and don't fall in. Only takes a second for the icy claws of that lake to tear into you. He wishes you luck as you push away from the shore and begin the large, long and arduous process of rowing yourself to the island. Facing the shore, with your hands tightly gripping the pair of oars, you make steady progress towards the island that rises up in the middle of Winterwire Lake. You're still a long way from the island. Okay, pick your random number between 1 and 100. Just no modifiers, just random. 71. You make steady progress along the placid surface of the frigid lake. Now and again, you catch sudden glimpses of what you believe is something large passing by far beneath your boat in the dark, icy depths. Still a long way. Alright, pick again, 63. There's something something below me, perhaps. Still a long way. 11. The, the dark, placid surface of the lake suddenly explodes all around your small boat, chunked with icy water, as the head and neck of a black sail, 
black-scaled serpent rises up out of the shadowy depths. The serpent hisses loudly as it rears back its head in preparation for a strike. While this creature is not the silver-scaled serpent of legend, it is most certainly a dangerous and aggressive foe. With no hope of fleeing, you quickly prepare to engage the fearsome creature. It's a black-sailed serpent. I'll just chop its head off. No, wait, I don't have a sword. I will bash its head into pulp. The serpent hisses loudly as it strikes out at you from above. Your enemy sinks a sharp set of fangs into your flesh for 14 damage. Bash, 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 bash. It is slain. 6 XP. The serpent emits a final wagged hiss and sinks swiftly beneath the dark, mirror-like surface of the lake. After taking a few minutes to collect yourself, you are once again ready to continue. Continue, of course. Still a considerable distance, just random number, 32. Suddenly, something large and unseen swirls swiftly beneath your boat, knocking slightly against the timbers upon which you sit. In the wake of your, the unsettling incident, much to your horror, you find your small craft being pulled down into the jaws of a strong whirlpool. You desperately struggle to free your craft for the deadly grip of the f- turbulent, frigid water. Pick a number. Bonus of 115. 10 from luck, 10 from mind, 10 from body, 10 from spirit, and most importantly... 75 from seamanship. Yeah, so it's a good thing I know my seamanship. 190. After a lengthy struggle, you manage to free your boat from the grip of the whirlpool. You spend a few moments catching your breath before once again resuming your voyage. Still considerable distance. 57. You make savvy progress across the placid surface of the frigid lake. Now and again, you catch sudden glimpses of what you believe to be something large passing by far beneath your boat in the dark, icy depths. Alright, still a considerable distance. 80, yep, 86, good. Considerable distance, 73. Getting closer to the island at last. 80. Yep, let's carry on. Now and again, you catch glimpses of what you believe is something large passing by far beneath your boat, the dark, icy depths. Getting closer, 29. Ooh, it's another whirlpool. And it's the same trick again with a bonus of 115. 169. After a lengthy struggle, you manage to free your small boat from the grip of the whirlpool. You spend a few moments catching your breath before once again resuming your voyage. Getting closer. Pick a number. The dark, placid surface of the lake suddenly explodes all around your small boat, showering you with icy water. As the head and neck of a black-scaled serpent rises up out of the shadowy depths. The serpent hisses loudly as it wears back its head in preparation for a strike. Well, this creature is not the silver-scaled serpent of legend. It's most certainly a dangerous and aggressive foe. With no hope of fleeing, quickly prepare to engage the fearsome creature. It's a black-sailed scurp serpent which hisses loudly as it strikes at you from above. And it is slain, 6xp. The serpent emits a final wagged hiss and sinks swiftly beneath the dark, mirror-like surface of the lake. Alright, bon appetit, little lake crabs. After taking a few minutes to collect yourself, you're once again ready to continue. Continue towards the island. Very near to the island now. 48. Oh, it's a whirlpool once more. Same check as before, 214. You spend a few minutes catching your breath before once again resuming your voyage. Very near. Yep, that was, that was a good one. 
Ooh, it's another black scaled serpent. I'll just quick combat that. For another 6 XP, continue towards the island. Very near. 77. At long last, with your arms and back aching, you reach the sizable island at the centre of Winter Eye Lake. To making certain the boat is safely on shore, you set out to begin your exploration of the island. Not far from where you came ashore, you discover the vine, entangled mouth of a large cave. A strong odour wafts out of the cave. It is an unmistakable reptilian smell. You are certain you are standing at the threshold of a pair of the lair of the fabled serpent of Winterwire Lake. Approach the cave. Of course, thing is, if I see fable blank and it's something I can kill, I'm probably going to try to kill it. Unless it's something like a fable deer, in which case I'll leave it alone. Approach the eye, approach it. You're less than 10 yards from the mouth of the cave, when a loud hiss sails out of the darkness, followed swiftly by the massive head of a silver-scaled serpent. You watch with mounting horror as the fearsome serpent, nearly 40 feet in length, slivers out of the cave and wears up to assume its full, terrifying height. The serpent's cold, unblinking eyes peer down at you from their lofty perch as its thick, Forked tongue flicks in and out between its massive closed jaws. You sense the horrid creatures preparing to strike. So I'm going to fight it too. Hold my ground and engage the serpent. The towering silver scale serpent about to strike. You hastily weigh your tactical options. Quite a few options here. Fortification. Gating. Illusion. Archery. Or woodmanship. I'll use woodmanship. 32 XP to woodmanship. You quickly scale a nearby fir tree, using its trunk to shield yourself from the serpent's intimate attack, and stepping the stage for a surprise attack. As the, ser as the serpent moves its massive head in close to the tree, you leap from your perch and lay a devastating blow the fearsome creature before sliding down its thick neck and landing on the ground below. Whee! No, wait. Going down snakes is not fun. <laughs> Whee! Still. Whee! Yeah, probably don't do that on a wheel, snake. <laughs> it's either... It's a combination of dangerous and rude. <laughs> You bravely engage the massive silver-scaled serpent, which is wounded, as you've just heard. Which means it's slightly easier to fight. The massive serpent hisses loudly as it strikes out at you from above. Alright, ooh, it's, it's very large, so it's taking a lot of blows, but now it is slain. 71 XP. The massive silver-scaled serpent collapses to the ground your feet, forcing you to nimbly dodge its falling head so you're not crushed beneath its enormous bulk. With the fearsome, legendary serpent now gone forever, you boldly enter the cave, stepping into a broad stone chamber that no human eyes have seen for the last 1,000 years. Oh, that means the treasure's going to be really good because apparently... Treasure left in the wilderness for a long time builds up interest. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Holding aloft your light source, you make a thorough examination of the cave. In the middle of the wide chamber, you discover a stone pedestal atop which sits a wooden box. The box is plain and badly decays, nearly crumbles at your touch. You brush away the rotting wood and find a fragment of a stone tablet. The tablet bears several strange markings which you cannot decipher, though the letters M-E are plainly visible across the top. So we've got, that's the, we've got M-E, so all the letters combined spell Muzak. It appears as the leftmost portion of a larger tablet, 
and studied the curious objects for several minutes before placing it safely in amongst your belongings. Tablet fragment number one. This is what appears to be the leftmost fragment of a stone tablet. Strange symbols cover the fragment, though the letters M-E are vi clearly visible across the top. You promptly exit the cave. 384 experience to general. Congratulations, Zoop. Your victory over the fearsome serpent that long made this island its home has at last put to rest the terrifying legend removed a dark shadow from the frigid waters of Winter Eye Lake. You board the ship's small boat, boat and make the lengthy and arduous task. Begin the lengthy and arduous task of rowing yourself back to shore. The trip back proves uneventful, thankfully so, and when you return the boat to the fisherman, you're surprised when he hands you the 50 gold you've given me. You've opened up the whole lake to us, he says, smiling. I can't truly thank you enough for that. I expect you'll have fame enough in these parts for a while. You've been in farewell and set off on your way. Winter Eye Lake is a small body of water hidden deep in the thick forest just to the south, just inside the eastern edge of Thainville. Standing on its rocky shore, you daze out across the dark water, the lake, the island near its, island near its middle, looks two miles away. It's on that island that you slew a massive silver-scaled serpent, the serpent of legend that long prowled the icy waters of the lake. Your victory over the serpent makes you quite famous in the region immediately surrounding the lake, and you're greeted warmly by everyone you encounter in the small nearby village. Okay, so that's... I've got three tablets. I've got the left, right, and middle. That's the three parts of the tab that tablet got. Now, where did I put the sword? I think I left it... In, I think I left this in Twinned Keep, which is in Eastern Eastern Twithic. This is your residence. Through the items you have stored here. Heavy broadsword, sturdy dagger, into dagger, emerald flame, to dagger. Blah 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 blah. Lots of Quebec leaves. I mean, a lot of them. Small leather pouch. Alright then. Alright, there's the flask of hammer tongue. Doesn't seem to do anything. Anything else. Keep scrolling, scrolling. Long sword glowing brightly. There it is. I will take that. Okay, now I can use the cloudy blue gemstone on it. Use the cloudy blue gemstone flares brightly for a few seconds before the glow subsides. A rush of air surges past you, and in that instant, you hear a whispering voice saying, Berserk. Okay, it's been put to use, and the, the sword hasn't changed because it accidentally got upgraded. Gated twice with the first stone. So now I can leave the now I can put that store that blade in in my main and my big residence. Now leave the grounds, city gates, travel, northwest, stone hills, my residence. Okay, view my storage room. Store the items you're carrying. I shall store that long sword. It's glowing brightly. Anything else to store? Probably. Yeah, but... I'll just store that for now. There we are. The sword of Merzak is now in my grand residence in a very, very secure place. Now that I've got this tablet, I can visit, I can go back, I can go back to that spider troll place. If 
Bogbo of the Forest of Mist. There we go. Explore. Location on Teak's map. There we are. Using the map you discover, coupled with your own knowledge of the misty woodland, you make your way to the specified location. As you pass out of a bank of low, slow-warning fog, you spot a large mound of earth to the north. In the centre of the mound, a wide, dark tunnel plunges down into the ground. Yep, if we've been here before, climb down into the steep tunnel. With your light source flaring brightly, cautiously climb down into the steep tunnel. The earth beneath your feet is, is loose in patches, making your descent both slow and treacherous. The earthen floor of the tunnel suddenly begins to slide. You desperately struggle to maintain your footing and control your descent. Pick a number. Bonus of 49. 19 from woodmanship. 20 from agility. 10 from luck. Need 75 or more. And it's success. You manage to maintain your footing during the different difficult descent as the tunnel levels out. You find yourself standing at the western edge of a cavernous, gloom-filled urban corridor. God, you should have installed a handrail! I mean, some, sometimes monsters that want to kill you have no respect for health and safety standards. I mean, really. Okay, that was a question mark in the northeast corner of this dungeon, which I never got to because there was a spider troll in the way. I'm going there now. The end of the tunnel is a small hollow surrounded by the rounded ends of three massive boulders. You discover a large pile of bulk debris, presumably discarded here by the spider troll. The skeletal remains of several creatures, surprisingly none of them human, are scattered throughout the heaps of rotting vegetation. You're about to abandon your search when you catch sight of a decaying wooden box. Buried beneath one of the oozing piles. You remove the box. Box on the pile and open it. Much to your surprise, the box contains a large quantity of gold and a small flat square of engraved wood. Immediately recognise the engraved wooden square to be a golem totem. One side of the coin-sized square of wood bears an engraving that depicts a coiled serpent. Also, 231 gold tokens and the Goblin Totem Serpent View. This small, flat, coin-sized square of wood bears an engraving that depicts a coiled serpent. This is a Goblin Totem. When used in conjunction with a Goblin Totem block, it can bestow enchantments upon its wearer. If you possess a Goblin Totem block, you may view the block. In a safe location, select Examine the Totem block. Option at the bottom of the description to make use of this totem. Satisfied you haven't overlooked anything, you once again set off on your way through the earthen tunnel. Okay, that's... Since I already have have three dragon totems in, it, it doesn't boost my stats anymore. But if I only had two dragon totems, I could put that in instead of something else. And boost my stats some more. But mainly, but for me, it's just there because it's new. Okay, making my way out of the spider troll lair. Wait a minute, there's a new question mark here. What could that be? Hmm. Suddenly, your eyes are drawn to the floor of the earthen tunnel. And they fall upon a trail of blood, in and around the bloody trail. A numerous prints made by two distinct sets of boots. The trail heads east. With your pulse racing and your every nerve on the edge, you nervously follow the ominous trail into the gloom. The trail of blood, the marks made by the two sets of boots, boots continue along the corridor to the east, up ahead. You can make out a bend in a tunnel. The earthen passage turns south. The every sense alert for the first sign of danger. Cautiously proceed along the trail. The trail of blood continues east past the bend in the tunnel. Disappears into the gloom of a large alcove. A faint moan suddenly soars out in the darkness ahead. 
The ghastly sound is immediately followed by a thin, wagged grasp that fills you with profound dread. You step closer to the hollow. Your eyes fall upon the figures of two men slumped up against the wall. You rush forward and swoop, stoop down to the men. The man closest to you is unquestionably dead. A wide, wet gask. Gash extends from his right shoulder to just below his waist. His torn clothing is soaked with blood and his wide, lifeless eyes stare on blinking upwards into the into the gloom overhead. Suddenly, the man to his right turns towards you and again draws a thin, wagged breath. His tunic and leather vest are tattered and bloody, but he is still alive, even if just barely so. This was supposed to be simple, he says, his voice low and weak. Can you help me out of here? We have to get out of here. Don't know that I can move. Now find us. We have to get out of here. You move to the side of, of the wounded man and begin to examine his injuries. It's obvious that he's been dealt several savage blows. Immediately ask what it is he and his less fortunate companion encountered. Don't rightly know what they're called, he says, thinking slowly as if he's severely taxed by every utterance. I think they're after this. Keep it with you. I know nothing of it. I don't want it. Take it! The man taps the top of the thin, long, thin wooden box lying next to him, pushes the curious object towards you. An elaborate engraving on the top of the box's lid depicts in a, a mighty, sword-wielding warrior beheading a large serpent. The engraved wooden box. The scene engraved upon the lid of this long, ancient wooden box depicts a mighty, sword-wielding warrior beheading a serpent. Huh. It doesn't say it's large here. You ask the man for a description of what it was that attacked them. Close his eyes. Wooden men, he says, Mask, gasping loudly. They wanted that box, so it seemed. Thought we could outrun them, but came lost in the fog. We should have dropped the box. But Hydrin Thwoodent was convinced we could flee to safety. Briefly realised the wooden men he's referring to could only be Okarok. Ah, oh, yes, it's them again. No wonder they had a bad time. Because when Okuruk are around, everybody has a bad time. Except perhaps the sorceress Korotol. She's probably having a fabulous time. Building her really nifty wooden fortress and sending armies all over the place. The man tells you his name is Algelak. And he and his friend, the man lying dead next to him, entered Fogwell in search of an ancient crypt. Hillingth had a map to the crypt, he says, mentioning with his hand to the lifeless body of the man slumped up against the wall to the white. He bought the map for a man he met in Trithic some months ago. Hillingth was the adventurer, mind, always tangled with more than he might safely be able to handle. But this affair at last proved too much. We found the crypt, crypt and recovered the box I gave you. It's only then that our trolls began. You learned that upon leaving the crypt, the two men were confronted by a large group of Otorok. They were engaged before they could escape, and suffered grievous wounds in a short but brutal skirmish. We managed to flee, but those things had already left their mark, he says, his voice suddenly turning to a harsh winter whisper. We must have run for nearly a mile before we came upon these tunnels. Hillif tells you that Hollywood died within minutes of reaching the alcove. I'm no adventurer, he says, momentarily regaining some strength in his voice. I'm a barrel maker, heading from the Mixville. I get out of this alive, I'm heading back to my cooperage, and I'll sooner cut off my right arm before I engage in any more foolish errands like this. Ask, ask Ogurok. You ask Eldrick how many Ogurok he and Hylev discovered. He counted a dozen, perhaps more, he said. They kept stepping out of the fog that surrounds off. I've since managed to land, land a few blows, I think. There's nothing to deter them. Seem to know about these things. 
What are they? I've already answered the question. You quickly asked a wayward Cooper if he believes that he and his companion will follow to the tunnels. He thinks for a moment and nods, but then he suddenly shakes his head. I don't know, he says. We could hear them through the forest behind them. But we may have managed to give them the slip. It never stopped warming. That much I do know. Before you showed up, I imagine our next encounter would be with some fearsome beast over there it was. But the old father glad to know my fears weren't founded. For a split second, the terrifying image of the spider troll enters your mind. You make no mention to Aldrock of the foul creature until recently stalked these passages. So, by slaying this spider troll, I've already saved three people. Yay! Maybe more. Maybe that spider troll will caught other people. I've certainly saved a lot of goblins, because that spider troll would have ate more goblins, eventually. It would probably been quite, quite far, lasted quite a while on the ones he already had stored up. But eventually, it would have hunted again. Helen thought these wooden men were after the box, he said. I don't know if he knew more about all this than he let on, but he was guessy at it. I just want to get out of here. You have to help me out of here. Helen's voice fades to a faint whisper as he closes his eyes tightly as an agonised... Look passes over his face. His body shudders violently. You sense the barrel maker from Midsbrook is near death. Unless you're able to do something immediately, you're certain that Aldrich will perish here. So, I have to do something right now. If I continue, if I just press please continue, he will die. So I can use law, restoration or woodmanship. Woodsmanship has the greatest chance of success because it has the highest level. So I'll use that. Succeeded. You successfully used your woodsmanship skill. 24 experience to woodsmanship, 64 experience to general. Wasting no time, you leave the tunnel and climb back into the forest above. During your brief search, you find what you're seeking. Glowing on the back of a jagged, half-rotted stump, you discover a thick, fussy clumps of yellow moss. Recognising at once the minor healer properties the moss may help to sustain algebra, at least to receive proper healing. You tear off a handful of the growth and make your way back to the dying... dying Cooper. You hurriedly press the spongy moth into a wide gash that crosses its midsection and shred a strip of his block blood-soaked tunic to tie it in place. With only a few minutes, Aldrich has slowly begun to regain some of his strength. The Cooper from Mixbo is still weak, but alive. Your timely and skillful intervention has saved his life. Yay! The sudden and self-telltale sounds of footfalls crunching on the floor of the earthen tunnel to your west spins your head in that direction. It becomes immediately apparent the copper... Cooper and his deceased companion were indeed far to these tunnels. Were emerging from the dense gloom, the very edge of your pool of light, a two Otoruk. You turn to Andrew and all of the weak and ill-equipped Cooper to remain where he is. He fearfully nods in compliance as his eyes widen at sight, sight of the advancing Otoruk. The Otoruk on your left steps in front of the other and moves to swiftly engage you. It's an Okawak. Yes, and we fought a lot of them earlier on. Quite a lot earlier on. We fought them in the attack on Ashley. And some some other and a lot a lot of them when I was exploring Exploring the Fogwell Forest too. The Otokok strikes it to its iron tipped wooden limbs. Strikes you a stunning blow. Been stunned and the unable to act during the next round of combat. It's adapted its combat tactics to match mine. And it I'm just gonna keep bashing, bash, bash, bash. It is slain. 
9 XP. Here's the next one. I'll just quick combat it. There we are. She's slain. 6 XP. You step back from the splintered remains of the oak rock, only to spade, as two more of the dreadful, silent beings emerge from the gloom. One of the Otoroks steps in front of its counterpart and moves forward to attack another Otorok. Quick combat that, because, I mean, I've fought lots, lots of those before, so I've seen all the text. You step forward and boldly meet the advance of the second and hopefully last of the fierce, fearless wood and iron minions of Coratel. Begin combat. Quick combat, in fact. Oh, I'll use my Quickstone 20s to finish it off. And it is slain. 9 XP. With the last of the Otowok lying in a twisted heap at your feet, you step back and wipe away the sweat streaking from your brow. Despite your victory, you realise that by lingering here, you're inviting the unwoken prospect of another encounter with the fearless minions of Coratel. Bearing that in mind... Prepare to make your way out of the urban tunnel. You quickly help Anduak to his feet. The Cooper, despite being severely shaken by the death of his companion, the encounter with the Otorok, tells you he's able to follow you. Not a word, you motion him to stay close, and the two of you swiftly exit the empty spider troll lair and pass into the fog shrouded forest. Gonna heal from all that. The trek out of Fogwar to the Eights of Ashlar proceeds without incident. At the foot of the main thoroughfare, which leads into the heart of the settlement, you bid farewell to Astra. He again thanks you for saving his life, for leading me out of the cursed wood. When he tells you he will try to make arrangements that the body of his friend Hyreth recover from the lair in which he still lies, instruct him to wait in Sage Law, Ashlar's only tavern, with grim determination, you delve back into the fog-shrouded forest. It's nearly nightfall when you return to town, bearing the whacked corpse of Ashlir. You leave the body at the watchtower, to first speaking with the militia, and then make your way to the sage law, where the grateful Adjok thanks you repeatedly. Now be laid to a proper rest, he says, he shedding a shoulder cross. You walk in the graces of the Allfather, my friend. Don't ever forget what you've done for me, and what you've done for Heinrich. At length, after graciously expecting, accepting both Heinrich's praise and two flagons of frothing ale, you bid farewell to the barrel-maker from Midsville, and set out for Ashley, prepared to resume your exploration of the fog bar. You take a seat on the trunk of the fallen oak on the eastern edge of the forest, and rest your legs while allowing yourself some much needed, needed nourishment. As you dig through your belongings, eager to find your well-hidden and seemingly never-ending supply of eventual rations, you shock to discover the engraved wooden box given to you by Idrak and the spider troll air is now quite heavily, heavy and obviously no longer empty. Your pulse waking, you hopefully turn up to a your innate lid and stare down at the long stone tablet that now fills the box. Suddenly, your heart skips a beat as you realise the tablet in the box is made up of the three tablets fragments you had previously discovered, including one just now. The three tablets now comprise an unbroken stone tablet. The word Mazak is stretched across the top of the reformed slab of stone. So, I now have the Tablet of Merzak. The three, the three tablet fragments you collected were a mysterious, newly made hole. Made hole, and now west inside this engraved wooden box, containing given to you by Eldruck, a Cooper from Migsborough. The entire tablet fits perfectly into the box, leaving you doubt, little doubt this curious container was made for it. Word Mezak is etched across the top of the tablet. Below, below the word, the, sword, the word, a short verse has now appeared, etched into the surface of the stone. Your eyes drift down from the word engraved upon the top of the tablet. The curious verse just beneath it. You certain the voice verse was not present on the fragmented tablet. With glowing curiosity, you carefully read it. 
Less three eyes to sparkle blight, a rusty blade to be. Seek the three beyond all sight, set sleeping spirit free. A prayer for honour, a test of faith, a trial looms for thee. Go forth, a hero thrice reborn, set sleeping spirit free. You realise that the verse etched onto the tablet is an expanded form of the well-known rhyme of Muzak. After studying the verse for several minutes, seeking a meaning that may lie hidden behind the words, the words from, from which it is composed, you close the box and place it amongst your other belongings. With the engraved box and the reformed stone tablet it now contains, Safe in your possession, you once again set off in your set off to resume your exploration of the, the foggy, cursed forest. While you remain uncertain as the full meaning of the cryptic verse, now etched upon the rough surface of the tablet, you suspect that somewhere within the murky confines of Fogbar lie more clues that may eventually lead you further along the trail towards the legendary blade of Muzak. 512 experienced general. Okay, one more thing to do. Since I've saved that person's life, I'm just going to say hi. This is where usually you can't say hi, but now I can go to the North Bell Cooperage. The North Bell Cooperage, situated only a stone's throw from the northern bell that hangs at the upper end of Migspool's Quarry, is a busy establishment. Several coopers and a handful of apprentices toil away the bustling workshop, crafting the barrels that are used to transport all manner of goods aboard the vessels that navigate the Wither Twind. We take a brief look around, wondering if this is indeed the place where Ijok pies his tray. When a young apprentice approaches you and asks if there's anything you need, you inquire about Ijok. Beatley turns and waves over a tall, previously perilously slender grey man. You must be Zoop, the man says, smiling. Heard quite a bit about you. I'm afraid Ajolak has gone off for a few weeks. Though when he returns, I've no doubt he'll want to see you. Suddenly, as if the thought has slipped his mind, the man motions for you to follow him into a room at the back of the shop. The man closes the door, shutting out the noise of the bustling cooperage's main floor, and introduces himself as Jodwin, master barrel maker and owner of the cooperage. As he told me that should you come around, he wanted you to have this. Jodwin produces a small wooden box and a cracked lid and hands it to you. You gaze down curiously at the box before sliding off the lid and revealing its context. Three short engraved wooden wads. I can't possibly tell you what they are, what purpose they possibly serve, he says, but I think Aldra might know more about them. You carefully study the three wooden wads. They're all roughly the same length, and each of them bears the intricate engraving of a warrior holding up a sword. The style of the engraving immediately brings to mind the tablet of Merzak, an object already in possession. And you're all and you're all but certain these wooden hot wads are somehow related to it. So thanking Jordan for the wads, you carefully tuck them away inside the engraved wooden box that holds the reformed Tablet of Merzak. The three wooden woodwads will not appear as separate items in your inventory. They will appear as part of the description of the Tablet of Merzak, as you have stored them in your engraved box. Edward tells you, expects that Adric will return soon, but he is a different man since his return to Wigsborough. Warned him not to go off with that high wind, he says, how enforcing himself quite an adventure, though I dare say, Think he found more danger than adventure in his early vice excursions. Seems that Hyrule finally came to the end he so often flirted with. Though I'm glad that you were there to send, see that Adric didn't follow his fate. 
and length he bid Jodron a farewell and leave North Belkew Bridge. The three curious wooden wads now in their position, he stepped back onto the streets of Merciful. Okay, I'll look again, does he come back? Okay, no, 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 I don't, I don't get to meet our jerk. So, hmm. Now, next time, next time I'll visit Tally's Trading Post, where you'll have a task for me. But, until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.